I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 117. Want to rock your mortgage business? Then crank up the volume with your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford from I Love Mortgage Brokering. Today on the show, I have Christine Bowman. She's been the broker business for six years. She's part of the DLC CME Network based out of Prince George, BC. We talk about a lot of things. She shares how she's taken what she's learned from the service industry and applied it to her mortgage business. She shares a strategy that she used initially to build her business, and you do not have to have any clients or realtors to do this. I highly recommend it. She also talks about why she doesn't believe every deal should get done, and she shares her secret strategy that she's used to build relationships and build her realtor data. Database, and I think you're going to enjoy it. This episode is sponsored by the Career Section of I Love Mortgage Brokering. The Career Section of I Love Mortgage Brokering allows brokers who are trying to decide where to hang their license to connect with brokerages that are hiring. It's kind of like a dating service for brokers and owners. If you're a broker looking at options, go to the site, put in your postal code, and you'll get a list of brokerages that are recruiting in your area. You can compare things like company size, do they have office space, which lenders do they have status with, etc. Check out ilovemortgagebrokering.com slash careers to find your perfect match and check out this interview with Christine. I think you're going to love it. Hey, Christine, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So can you tell me a little bit about how you got into the mortgage biz? Because most people when they're in kindergarten don't say, when I grow up, I want to be a mortgage broker. So how did you <laughs> How did you end up here? Well, funny, when I was in kindergarten, and no, I'm just kidding, I was always interested in real estate. So I've invested in, in our city since I was 19. And uh, it wasn't actually on my radar, but I always used a mortgage broker even before there were many in Prince George. And a friend of mine was just happened to to be fairly new into the business and approached me about it. And then once I did some research into it and figured out that uh, it was something that would be interesting to me, it just sort of took off from there. So, okay, so six and a half years ago, you realized, hey, this is something I'd like to do. What were you doing before you got into the mortgage business? And then how did you get your start? Like who kind of took you under their wing or what, what was that? What did that look like? Well, I was in the service industry, so I had worked uh, as a waitress for 10 plus years, and I also worked in administrative positions at a, a drilling company. And so I started with a company who really focused on building the business side of it. And so Maury Dawson was my managing broker at the time. And Nathan Zorowski, who unfortunately isn't a broker anymore, was sort of a mentor to me as well. And I think that's what really helped me grow organically and quickly, but not too quickly, uh, was to really focus on the business side of it. So getting out and doing face-to-faces, um, just sort of getting your knowledge base up and really spending the time getting yourself out there and creating relationships. Right. So what kind of things did Maury coach you on or suggest that you do when you switched from the service industry into brokering? Because this is really the service industry. It's just, you know, more, a little bit more complicated. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think at the end of the day, you just have to remember that you are serving, you're serving the client and you're also serving the lender as well. You know, so really, like you said, it is, it is service. Um, the big thing was we did five face to face meetings a week and then two handwritten thank you cards. And that was just sort of a generic goal. And so we always were working towards, you weren't necessarily working towards a volume goal, which obviously everybody has their goals and that, that they're driving for, but you were really working on the day-to-day, just doing five face-to-face meetings, just finding someone to sit down with and have a conversation with and build the relationships and then handwritten thank you cards. So every time you had someone that made an impact on you or, of course, any applications or anything like that, just getting a handwritten thank you card out there. And I think those things really did make a, make a big difference for me. I also 
when I first started would go every Saturday and Sunday when there are open houses and I would just get a, a whole truck full of coffees and a bunch of business cards. And I would drive around to all the open houses and introduce myself to the realtors. And some of them would, you'd stay and chat. Some of them you just sort of pass your card and go. But a lot of them actually did remember years later that I had done that. Hmm. And you work, obviously, how long did it take for you to start to see some result from that activity? Hmm. It's tough to say. So would that count as a face-to-face? Like when you said you had to do five a week, if you hit five open houses, that doesn't count. No, no. Face-to-face would be going for coffee, going for lunch, sitting down and having an engaging conversation with someone. Okay. And then the open houses, how long did you do that? I did it until I ran out of people to realtors to meet, (laughs) to be honest. I had a chart going. And so I would try and every every single weekend, I would see if I'd met them or not already, right? And then after after a while, you had already met all the realtors. So... You know, I don't hmm. know if there was direct, uh, maybe a couple relationships and a couple people who will give you a chance. In the very beginning, you have to prove yourself. So realtors are going to send you a couple deals that are kind of on the fence and you have to prove that you're going to be able to do it and that you're going to work hard and look out for the client's best interest and whatnot. So I think it may have opened the door. I can't think directly, to be honest, of any any particular realtors. What really made a difference for me, actually, I just one day decided I sent this generic email out to all the realtors in one specific office. And then I followed up with a phone call a couple hours later and my email just explained who I was. And I said, I'll be following up with a phone call. And I asked them just to meet me for coffee. And so from there, I met one of the most amazing realtors I've ever worked with, Andy Willemsen. And he, it, we're kind of an odd, uh, an odd pair, but he, him and I have worked really closely together since then. And I would never have met him otherwise. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, that definitely worked well for me. And, and the truth is most of the realtors said, no, sorry, I don't have time. But there were a couple that, um, that I was able to establish relationships with. And, uh, and that's been, it's really six years later, seven, seven years later, I still meet with them and they're still almost friends. Right. Almost friends. Almost. Yeah. <laughs> almost. When I was in Mexico, they said like this guy was chasing me, trying to sell me a poncho saying almost free amigo. <laughs> so like it's almost friends amigo, you know, we, <laughs> Just about you can have that on a shirt for your realtors. Almost friends amigo. <laughs> Work with me and I maybe I'll be your friend. <laughs> yeah, but maybe not. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I, I, I kind of got sidetracked because you said something that I thought was interesting on the five notes and stuff. So I'm glad I did. So can you tell me about, I love quotes and I love how quotes are portable, they're memorable, and I use it like a compass to keep me on track. So can you share a quote that's had an impact on your life or business? Totally. And it's completely cliche, but I think one of the biggest ones is you'll miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky. And I think for me, I, I think you just have to ask. And I think we often hold ourselves back because we just don't want to ask. We're afraid of being told no. We're afraid of failure. And so often, if you ask, you'll be surprised of the outcome. And sometimes people might not expect you to ask. So that might be the reason why it's uh, it's different than what you expect. But I really do feel like just putting yourself out there and asking makes a big difference. And or just taking the shot. You know, even if you Mm -hmm. even if you're instead of being constantly afraid of failure, just be just go into a situation expecting to do what you plan on doing, not expecting an outcome, if that makes sense. So I want to ask you about failure. I know that you talk to successful mortgage brokers, business owners, failure does happen, but it's never fatal. And there's always a lesson in it when you look back. So can you share something that maybe didn't turn out the way you like, but looking back, there was a lesson in it for you? It's just sort of generic, but I would say a failure that I in general have done with business is spreading myself too thin, but that doesn't, it's not really like a direct response to your question, but taking on more business than you can handle and, and just trying to do too much at one time and be everything to everyone kind of. 
Mm-hmm. How do you prevent yourself from doing that now? Like if that is something that you, I have a tendency to do that. Every time my wife always reminds me, I say yes to things, but she's like, you don't realize how many, what the time <laughs> commitment is and totally. all that's involved in that. Yes. And so how do you manage that now? Like what is there? And with a one and a three year old, your time is even more compressed, right? Right. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I would say I, I pre-qualify people a lot more. When I first started, I remember people saying, just get them in the office. Whatever you can do, get them in the office, get them sitting in front of you, and you can sell them on you. But now I think I'm choosier with who I want to work with. And if somebody's being rude, if they want me to put through something that I'm not comfortable with, there's just no question about if I should take it on or not. I only want to work with people that I really enjoy working with and the files that I know are good files and that are going to be you know, not in foreclosure in two months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I had I had a client recently that I choose to not work with, and it feels great sometimes. And you're like, you know what? I I'd rather not work with you. I just know that we're not in alignment in our values, and I feel totally. like the person's stretching themselves way too. That it's going to end in a you know catastrophe. So sometimes totally. it's just better to say no. I'll, I pass. And it- those are the kind of people from now from experience. Those are the kind of people that call you back in three years and say, "I'm in a pinch. What do I do?" And there's nothing you can do to help them because they've been stretched so thin. And I just feel like I would rather not take a client than be a party to someone's total life crisis, you know, and, and mm-hmm. when they stretch and you do see those people where it's like, well, I don't have enough for this. And, and you know that it's going to be double their, what their budget is and what they're comfortable with. And I'm sure somebody, and I had a similar situation recently as well. And it was, you don't ever want to say no, but at the same time, sometimes the client's best interest as well. Mm-hmm. I call it assisted financial suicide. So <laughs> I'm not Kevorkian, right? I'm not going to help you totally, completely eviscerate your family finances just so totally. I can make a commission. But I'm like, I don't want to do this. Like, totally. I, you know, I always try to think of my clients if they were my cousins because I have like a bajillion cousins. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, if you're my cousin, here's what I would tell you to do. And I would not tell my you know, family to go ahead and proceed with something that I thought was a bad decision. Totally. And I also always try and look at it from the lender's perspective as well. I think we as brokers are often get lost thinking that we're working only for the clients, but we really are mm-hmm. working for the lender. And I always say to people, if you were going to be lending out $300,000, what would you want? Would you want to know they've got a good job? Would you want to know that they pay their bills on time? Would you want to know all these things that the, the lenders are asking you? Sure, it seems like we're getting overconditioned, but in the same breath, we have to look out for the lenders, the lenders as well, if we want them to continue to stay in the broker space, right? Mm-hmm. So I can't be, I can't knowingly put someone in a mortgage if I know that they're not going to pay and that they're going to default or, and it's, you know, that their, their job is ending in two months or whatever, right? So I think we have to look out for mm-hmm. both the broker and the lender, or sorry, the client and the lender. Um, ask about sales processes. I know that successful brokers have a system and a process and they don't just sort of show up and hope for the best. Can you share a sales or marketing process that maybe wasn't working as well as you'd like and a change you made in the outcome you got? I think for me, systems are so important. And I find that if I don't have a very specific plan of action, then I can easily veer off course, as I'm sure you can tell by now. So mm-hmm. I've got a, a documented list. Okay, so this is what we're doing pre-approval. This is, I just, I made up my own sort of charge. I found, I found myself doing pre-approvals and then looking back thinking, when did that expire? 
should I contact them and not necessarily having a system in place for it? So I actually use mm-hmm. GoMax and I use that for my CRM after the, the mortgage funds. But then I also have little systems in place where, you know, I, I send a letter to the referral as a thank you and just sort of a checklist. And to me, checklists are the best thing because then I, I know, and it's not a question, did I send them that thank you card or, you know, did I email the realtor? The mm-hmm. other system that I have in place, it's sort of my secret um, but it's actually, I think, I think it's brought my success. We're going to beep this section out. We'll be like, okay, it'll be, this is my <laughs> beep. And like, what was that? It was, and I'll just go, that was totally awesome. Um, yeah. so my secret is communication. So when I first started, I met with all the realtors that I could and I would all the financial advisors and I would say to people, what are you looking for? And I would explain to them, I'm new. This is the honest truth. What are you looking for in a mortgage broker? And one, and the first thing that I heard was someone who can get the deal done. So actually, that's something that that I definitely learned from. So starting off, I'm going to go up a little bit off course here, but starting off, I tried to be that broker. I wanted to be the one to get every deal done. And I would bend over backwards and try and do it any way that I could and spend so much time and energy to just have it fall through. And mm-hmm. then I realized that's going back to what we were talking about, that not every deal needs to get done. And I actually don't want to be that broker. And I don't only want to get the deals that no one else can get done, right? And I was able to get some deals done by just being creative, knowing different lender products, getting it done the right way. But, you know, certain certain guidelines, because every, every lender is a little bit different. And I think that knowing the specific little niches, right, with every product can really help you get a deal done. But at the end of the day, that was a lesson that I had to learn was, you know what? I don't want to be everything to everyone in the mortgage world. I just want to get the deals that I want to get done. So then this, the second thing that, that they all said was, you know, it'll be two weeks and we don't hear because most in print stores, we get two weeks for financing, which is awesome. And then at the end, it'll be the day before subject removal. And suddenly we haven't heard anything. We can't get a hold of the mortgage agent. And then and I say mortgage agent because mortgage brokers are obviously all awesome. And then all of a sudden they say some financing needs to be extended by a week. So what I put into place a few years ago was at the end of every day before I go home, I send out a daily update to all the realtors. So I obviously can't divulge personal information, but I can just say, you know, we have an approval waiting for, for some documents or whatever. And it's happened a couple of times where I couldn't get a hold of a client. They're being really slow at getting me documents. Really, it's really minimal information, but I found that realtors really, really appreciate it, especially newer realtors, or if it's a, it's a file that they're concerned of then they feel like they're in the loop the whole time. And I feel like I've, I've ended up getting other realtors who send me business specifically because I'll communicate with them that way. And honestly, it's made my life so much easier because all the realtors who I work with know that at the end of the day, I'll send them an update. So they don't have to call me 17 times during the day. I will send them an update for sure at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I love that. I actually implemented that after talking to Lori Rasmussen, who's a broker in Alberta, and she does like a ton of business and daily updates. But I, I kind of do them in the morning, but I kind of like mm-hmm. the idea of what you do in the at the end of the day because then if something has happened or changed, you can at least let them know. So yeah, yeah. I, I like that. I think that's a great secret. idea. <laughs> yeah, but ultimately, like the funny thing is, is that you can tell some people how to do things, but like 90, unfortunately... Oh, Statue totally. of 90% of people won't do it. They'll just be like, oh, that's so great. And, like, <laughs> and at the end know, of the day, that... mortgage brokers are not against each other, especially in a small community like this one. If I can do anything to help other mortgage brokers, I will. Because really, there are there are so few of us and we have such a small market share. And I really do see such a value in what mortgage brokers do that I think if you can help another mortgage broker out. Mortgage agent, now that's another <laughs> story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bankrupts? No. <laughs> Bank- okay. okay, so uh, I'm going to ask about uh, 
systems and processes in terms of admin. So yeah. uh, successful brokers always have, you know, not only sales and, but they have an admin process. Can you share something that you maybe didn't work as well as you liked and a change that you made in the outcome you got? I would say switching to, to GoMax and sort of, I guess, diving into it was something that really that, so I, I would say not doing, not doing proper admin and just trying to have a whole bunch of different spreadsheets and different tracking systems was not working for me. So having one centralized area where you can print out, okay, these are my renewals that are coming a, a CRM where you can, they'll email you and say, okay, call this client. They're coming up for renewal in a month and then automatically send them an email saying, I'm going to be calling you in three days. Those processes have been huge for me because as you start to get a more, more client base, one thing I used to do was every anniversary, I would send my clients a little gift. So you know, movie tickets or whatever, but then it started to get a lot of gifts and it started to get to be too much. So I found that doing something, even taking a client for lunch or doing the larger things on a less scheduled basis worked better for me. And then having automated mm-hmm. stuff that just goes out from me. Right. So do you, how, what other ways do you stay in touch with your, your past clients? The CRM goes out uh, every few months and then there's a news and rate advisor that's set up as well. So that goes out every month. And to, and then I also do the, of course, an annual mortgage evaluation and, and touching base with them annually. Um, and then do you I phone use, your clients annually? I usually send an email and then phone and most people don't answer. <laughs> but I'm here if you have any questions. And I find that the annual reviews don't get as much as sort of the generic email rates that go out. And I used to do a monthly newsletter, which I definitely want to get back when I have more time, just mm-hmm. sort of giving little tidbits of, of information. I think short and sweet is nice. I, and I find a lot of clients will actually respond when they're emailing me, they'll respond to one of the emails that have been sent out. So obviously it's staying top of mind to an extent, but I, I, I don't know if the annual reviews have as much impact, but either way, I think touching base with them at any point keeps your, keeps your name top of mind. Right. It does help. And you know what I find if you call them and say, Hey, I'm sitting in front of your house. How come you're not picking up the phone? <laughs> I, I find that really helps people yeah. usually answer. They're like, nice I'm out in front now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like, Oh, crazy person. <laughs> I just want to talk about your mortgage. Like, totally. anyway, sorry. Have you been making prepayments like we talked about? Mm. Oh, no, yeah. Johnny need a braces. Mm. Mm. Okay. So when are you going to start the prepayments? <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to move to some rapid fire questions. You can answer these as shorter answers if you like. So What's the number one thing holding back most mortgage brokers from being successful? I would say themselves, really. Just getting, not being, not putting themselves out there and not taking, not going out of their comfort zone. Right. And so what one thing or habit things made you successful? I would say my face-to-face meetings. Um, just basically in the beginning, not, not being confident in my abilities and I even only having done two or three mortgages saying, please give me your business, not necessarily feeling like I could handle it and just learning. And I think always, always learning. And also, again, this kind of going off course, but being able to get other deals done that other people haven't in just knowing different lender products. So instead of when the, mm-hmm. when the emails come in, instead of just saying, oh, another email from Street Capital or whatever, actually learning, oh, how much does this lender use to square foot heat? Oh, that's interesting. That's different. What about this lender? Do they you do collateral transfers or whatever? Um, and just sort of mm-hmm. knowing, having different tools in the shed. So if you could recommend a book for our listeners, what would it be? I think Be the Better Broker. That's what I'm reading right now. 
Dustin Woodhouse. It's a good one. And I, I years ago, I actually did, um, it's sort of an online assessment called Drinks Finder. And I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but they there's mm-hmm. a code in the back and then you do your own evaluation. And I think it's enlightening. I was a part of a woman's sort of group, I guess, that would gather every few months. And that was, we all did them and sort of discussed the different strengths that we had. And there are some that, that you, that I think are interesting. And so if you need some insight onto what you're good at and sort of what areas you should focus on, I think StrengthsFinder is a really good book too. Mm-hmm, totally. And it's the last question. One of my favorites is, remember the movie Back to the Future? Yes. And so remember the car, the DeLorean? <laughs> Yes. So imagine I could put you in that car. I could send you back to when you first started as a mortgage broker and you could sit down and you have a, a couple of minutes to talk to yourself and say, hey, self, do these three <laughs> things so that you have a better business. What would you tell yourself? I would say stay in contact, put yourself out there and always keep learning. Mm-hmm. That's good. So where can people find you online? www.christinebuman.com. And if anybody's listening, they can get links to everything we talked about in the show notes at mortgagebrokering.com. Christine, I really appreciate your time today. Had a lot of fun having a chat with you, and I hope you continue to crush it. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. If you do, you'll get three deals in the next week. Okay, that's not entirely true, but we'd really appreciate it. Also, you can check out everything at ilovemortgagebrokering.com. See you next week.